What is up? Welcome in. It's another episode of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing here for episode 136 of the podcast. And alongside me, as always, Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Good. Uh, wish that the, the results we're about to talk about were a little better, but you know, excited, excited to talk and uh, and a lot of lot of lower league stuff on the horizon to be excited about. So, uh, yep, look, looking forward to the conversation. We have been spoiled with good news and good results <laughs> to talk about over the early portion of the season. So the chicken was bound to come home to roost at some point where we have a few losses, a few disappointing results to break down on the show. So we will get to that in just a minute. But of course, we are presented by SotaSoccer.com, your home for soccer coverage in the North. Check us out, SOTASoccer.com. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast feed, please do that. If you also have not left us a rating and review on your preferred podcast platform, Apple or Spotify, Go ahead and do that as well. And you can follow us on social at Soda SOC. Big thanks to everybody who is checking us out and supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. That is kind of the lifeblood of what we do here uh, with our podcast and our written content at SodaSoccer.com as well. So if you're enjoying the show, enjoying uh, what we're doing, enjoying the content we're putting out, consider supporting our work. It's as low as $3 a month. Uh, you're able to support our work there. And then the 5 and $10 tiers get you some exclusive bonus content, some goodies from Minnesota United Training, early access to podcasts, being able to watch the 10,000 Pitches podcast live. Um, if you are a, a patron, you are able to do that every week here on Thursday morning. So a lot of perks to become a page Patreon over at patreon.com slash soda soccer, but uh, also being able to support the work we're doing and uh, assuring that we can kind of sustain this and keep what we're doing going. Um, I believe we're at 49 patrons like not right now. We'd love to get to like 55 before the end of the month. I think we put a, a challenge up that we want to reach 55 before the end of the month. It is April 20th, 420 as we're recording here. We got 10 more days in the month of April. So if we could get six more patrons in those 10 days, That'd be awesome to help us reach our goal of 55 by the end of the month. So again, consider consider helping us out there uh, at patreon.com slash soda soccer. All right, Dom, let's jump into these headlines here. Of course, uh, none more important than Minnesota United losing their first home game of the season, their second straight loss of the year, two to one to Orlando City, uh, two losses after starting the season undefeated in five. Um, all the scoring in this one came in the second half and, and specifically came after Will Trapp replaced Sane Ben Jong, who made his first start for the club in this one. It was a return to the 4-2-3-1, excuse me, for Adrian Heath, with Sang Ben sort of playing the 10 role, kind of being relied upon to play a Reynoso-esque uh, 10 role for this team, which we haven't really seen uh, yet from this club. You know, when Robin Lutz played in the 4-2-3-1, it's been more of a 4-3-3 with more defensive responsibilities. We've seen the 4-4-2 a handful of times. This is the first time we really saw somebody in there you know, with the intent to play as Reynoso did uh, for this team. Um, and there was some good and, and bad with that, which we will talk about in just a minute. But Trap comes on for Sangbin in the 57th minute, and it sort of opens the game up a little bit. And we see just a minute later in the 58th, Bongi opened the scoring off a really nice sequence with Lud poking a pass to an open Dotson. He finds Longwani right in front of goal for the tap-in. But I mentioned, Tom, that this opened up the game this also directly led to the next two goals that we will talk about for Orlando. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, what did you think of this goal sequence from Lud, Dotson, and Bongi specifically from the press box? Uh, seemed like a really nice, uh, really nice run of play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, while the rest of the second half ends up being uh, not a highlight, I thought that this mm -hmm. specific goal was was quite well worked. I, I thought it showed a good bit of understanding between teammates offensively. Uh, Bondi continuing to, to you know have a, a solid individual season, getting some goals. I thought he you know showed good intelligence to know where to be to to finish that sequence, and obviously Lord and, and Dotson to create it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think obviously the 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 issue people would take with it is just that we didn't see uh, enough of that kind of 
um, synergy in, in the first hour of the mm -hmm. game with other scoring chances. And so obviously what happens in the later stage of this game is able to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but but in the moment, for, for what it's worth to go 1-0 up, you know, early second half against Orlando, it was a good goal, uh, showed what those three guys and, and, you know, others that contributed in various ways are capable of. Yeah. So Bondi continues to be, uh, you know, a, a threat in the final third. And, and all of that is is good to know. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I thought, you know, Lud had a bit of a, a rusty uh, outing, admittedly on his part, a rusty outing uh, in his return against Chicago. If you remember, he had been sick for the St. Louis match. And then before that, he was on international duty for Finland for the match against Vancouver. So he sort of tried to work himself back in against St. Louis um, or excuse me, against Chicago, not St. Louis. Uh, Chicago was his first match back and a little bit rusty. But in this one, you saw him be a little bit more himself. Uh, and back on the right wing for the first time in almost a year, you kind of wondered, you know, how he would fit back into that position specifically. But uh, he seemed to be really comfortable there. Um, and that seems to be a place where talking to Adrian Heath this week, they kind of want to keep him moving forward is on, is on the right. So we'll have to see how that plays itself out moving forward. But yeah, I mean, he was playing some really nice passes in the midfield, doing some really nice, it's kind of everything you expect Robin Lid to do short of scoring a goal, which we'll get to the chances in a little bit as well uh, down the stretch. But yeah, this play was really nice. Lud to Dotson. Good job from Dotson finding Bongi. And uh, this is what Adrian Heath wants from his attackers, sort of just being there right in front of goal, have, you know, getting in those positions where you can receive a pass and have that point blank opportunity. That's sort of been a common theme with some of Minnesota United's goals this season is just sort of poaching right in front of goal and being there for when those rebound opportunities come or when that ball finds its way to your feet uh, in that position. So that's the second time Bongi's found himself in that position this season. So good on him. And we got a new dance as well. Uh, what's funny was Minnesota United actually had the the bongi dance like ready on the video board for when he scored a goal. Uh, and so they had a little graphic on the video board that showed his dance he had been doing. But of course, yeah. at that moment, that's when he decides to change it up and show something. New. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. Bongi's second goal of the season really well worked. Uh, but just eight minutes later is when we see Orlando equalize. On a uh, Gaston Gonzalez, uh, he's bringing the ball up the left, and somehow he's just able to send a pass left to right all the way through the 18-yard box. I mean, this this ball travels 25, 30 yards without anybody, without a loon getting in front of it. Um, and it's uh, Ivan Angulo on the uh, back end of that awaiting, and he beats Dane St. Clair for the equalizer. Um, I would I would stop it here and talk about this goal, but the second goal was almost the exact same sequence. So let's just jump right into that. Uh, in the 88th, this is where Orlando assures all three points. Again, starts on the left. Against, again, a pass able to get to the right side of the box. The shot here, though, bangs off the crossbar, and it's Duncan McGuire alone in front of goal to put away the rebound to give the visitors all three points. Dom, two goals from two shots on target two weeks in a row against Minnesota United. It's rough. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because these two goals come at a very different time than the ones against Chicago. Yep. Uh, Chicago, you know, Kai Tamara scores those two goals in the first half, uh, not too far from each other. And to some degree, you, you can explain those as, you know, early shocking off from Chicago, Minnesota United, not quite awake early mm -hmm. in the game and, and they concede. This is the flip side of that, uh, where you have two goals, one quite literally just about at the end of the game, uh, that that shock Minnesota United after a relatively calm defensive performance. I would say that from halftime onward, Orlando looked a lot more intent to me to score, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the 45th to 55th minute even that early it felt like they were a little hungrier for mm -hmm. a goal perhaps that because they felt like all right we got the halftime they haven't scored yet we can we can jump on this now mm -hmm. um so it did feel like there was something coming for really that whole second half but you know minnesota united held it back for quite some time even just in the second half and so you start to have some confidence there obviously it doesn't last uh, those two goals, yeah, uh, it, it's hard to – how do I put this? I, the, the defenders in both these goals, the Minnesota United defenders in both these goals, I'm not sure what they're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Very not, disorganized. I'm not sure what they think they're doing mm-hmm. because particularly in the second goal for me, there are, gosh, I, mean, I don't have the footage in front of me. I want to say six Minnesota United players in and around the box. Mm-hmm. And they're not really doing anything. They're There's no organization on, on either goal, specifically the second right. one. The se- it was just a mad, seemed like a defensive scramble just to try to right. find open space, cover for somebody else. Nobody is in the spot they should be. Right. That was kind of similar for both goals, but you're right, Tom. That second goal specifically, you look at, you could pause it at any part of that sequence and not a single defensive player is in the position they're supposed to be in. Yeah. And the only person really proactively moving is the goal scorer. <laughs> um, so, and and look, these defenders have had some really good games this season. Um, so I, it's not me trying to label any of them as like, all of a sudden, you know, question mark, what are, you know, what's wrong with them? But in this game, particularly in those two moments, and for me, especially that last goal, it's just, I don't know if it's, you know, the, the, the lateness of the goal, how late it is in the game. I I don't know what exactly causes that level of static for the Mm -hmm. team, but it literally felt like you're yes, it's scrambled, but in this moment, nothing's being scrambled. Nothing's moving. (laughs) Like it's just people standing kind of in spots and then a guy comes flying in. And, and so it, 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 it just was a level of like disengaged that I was not expecting from what it felt like a pretty engaged defense through these first several games. So I've, I've been yeah. consistently um, what's the word, I guess, critical of the c- constant decision when Minnesota United goes yeah. up, they always seem to just bunker it in and absorb pressure, absorb pressure, absorb pressure, as opposed to trying to have your attack be your best defense and keeping the ball away from your 18 yard box. And this one, it was almost completely flipped to a fault where there was no defensive shape, no defensive structure, no packing it in. Nobody's where they should be. You know, you, you give this a pass against Vancouver because there are what five players making either their loons debuts or just professional debuts in general. So you can understand the disorganization late in that sequence. But here you look at the guys on the field. These are guys who have been playing together largely for the last two or three years. And you should be able to, with a one, no lead in the second half with this kind of defense, be able to obtain and sustain your defensive shape, your defensive structure, Deal with counterattacks. You know they're going to try to attack you on the flanks. That's a scouting report against you. Oscar Pereja said it after the game. We knew we couldn't attack them centrally, and we knew we could we could pressure their outside backs, and that could be beneficial for us. You know that's the scouting report against you. How do you allow two sequences where they're bringing the ball up the, up the left, almost pretty much uncontested, and just being? Like, it, it's just, it was, it was shocking. Like it was shocking watching it from the press box, but then rewatching the game back on the broadcast, it was just, my jaw almost hit the floor with how baffled I was. Cause you don't, that's not something you usually see from a Minnesota United team, especially with the lead in the second half. Usually the reason they give up a goal in the second half is because they're too packed in to park the bus centric. And eventually they just somehow slap in a goal because they're just putting constant pressure on. That was not the case here. It was almost the complete opposite reason where there's just nobody organized, nobody in a, in a position defensively to stop a goal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, and it's interesting you put it that way because right. It, it is almost a, um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say damned if you do damned, if you don't, I, I think there's a correct answer somewhere in there, but, uh, the, the two ways that they've approached this have not necessarily uh, worked uh, and certainly did not work against Orlando this week. So, I mean, I, I think it's important to obviously keep everything in context. Minnesota United had a very strong start to the season. They've had two losses now. They still have one of the better records in the league. They still have a point count to build on. Um, they still have goal scores to build on, hmm. new players to build on. So, I, you know, I in the same way that the Chicago loss didn't feel like uh, the end of the world to me, I don't think this loss does either. But it, it's, you know, perhaps a little bit of a wake-up call to the team just to, to make it clear that just because those first, what, five games went well, uh, well, with two draws, but went relatively well, 
doesn't mean that there aren't going to be problems. There aren't going, you know, there are going to be problems defensively, even though everyone's really happy with, you know, Mikel Tapias. There are going to be problems offensively, even though it feels like we're kind of figuring things out without Reynoso. Like, you can't just kind of sail through those problems every game. Those things are going to catch up to you at some point. Um, I thought, to be honest, in this stretch of games, I thought both of these games were very winnable. I thought yep. that the games before them were going to be the tough ones. It mm-hmm. kind of got flipped around uh, in that sense. But, you know, at, at the same time, I, I, I do think that it's, it's important to, to kind of keep everything in context. Remember that there's a lot of season left. Um, so I, I don't necessarily feel alarm bells going off. What I do feel is this is showing us that, you know, we had all these concerns before the season started. Season started, we started to feel like, well, maybe we're too uh, pessimistic. Now we're saying, okay, well, maybe there was a medium between expectation and reality. Maybe it, maybe it's not that everything's fine and that we were completely wrong, but there are going to be problems. Yeah. Uh, there are going to be things this team isn't going to be able to get done right now. Uh, and so, you know, they've had to learn that the hard way, and hopefully they'll take these next couple of games to figure out ways to to avoid those problems. Albeit their next game is going to be a tough one, but, you know, uh, you know that's that's the nature. And I, I think I think looking back at kind of what we've been talking about the last three or four minutes, maybe we're being a little bit unfair to the defensive performance overall because aside from those two opportunities, again, the only two shots on goal for Orlando the entire match. So I think largely the defensive performance was actually very good. I can't think of another even dangerous chance that Orlando had mm-hmm. outside of those two. Um, but And to go along with that point, if Minnesota gets a second goal, sure, does that you know the the whole the whole dichotomy of the game changes? Right. And they had plenty of chances to do that. You have Robin Lud cutting in on his left foot inside the box, right in between the posts, kind of right near the right near the penalty kick spot. And he skies it. Alexi Gomez is it 30 feet over the bar. And then you have Franco Fragapane getting a ball fed to him beautifully by Amaria, running right towards the six yard box. And yes, it kind of skips up on him and it's kind of like a, a quarter volley, if you want to call it that. But he either needs to pick a side or put it between uh guy he says legs there i mean you can't go right into the chest on that one um that would have been a huge that would have been the winner right i mean if, if he gets that goal i don't think minnesota finds themselves in a situation where they're they're going to concede uh, an equalizer there uh plenty of opportunities to i mean 17 shots yeah one goal for minnesota that to me is a, a larger issue here and you know talking to adrian heath hasani dotson even will trap this week in training the, the feeling is, hey, as long as we keep creating chances, the goals will come. And I guess from a, like a statistical data, strict number standpoint, that makes sense. But the eye test tells me a bit of a different story here where finishing might actually be a more a greater issue moving mm-hmm. forward. And look, there, there's a joke that this has kind of always been an issue with Minnesota United. But I, I think looking at the chances that they squandered, in this one, it's not like they're just missing the outside of the post on a beautiful shot. It's it, it's it's really it was it was a failure to finish and a failure to get a second goal. And I have to wonder if that's if that should be concerning for Minnesota United fans moving forward in the season. The players are not are saying they're not concerned by it and they trust their attackers and whatever. And with two DP strikers, you would hope that you would. But at the same time, the eye test is telling me a whole different story. Where, whew. I'm not sure even with with double digit chances in a, in a match later, you know, over the course of the season, if they're not getting those kind of hardworking, you know, I've used this term in the past, but quote unquote greasy goals where they're just right in front of goal, tapping it in. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to finish enough chances to put more than one goal on the board in a match. Yeah, no, that's fair. There's a lot of question marks with this attack uh obviously some of that dates back to the reynoso situation but even just now with what we've got it, there, there, there's you know the, the striker situation for example um especially on nights like this where we're playing with one one dedicated center forward um it is a tough one because you have two sort of main candidates currently with garcia and um amaria neither of which are thriving both of which get given some chances. Not too much happens. Occasionally they score a goal. 
Um, you know, I, I said last week, I, I, I stand by this, that I think Garcia probably deserves a little more credit because he's scoring goals in open play, whereas Amaria's roles have been penalties. But, um, you know, neither of them are thriving. Garcia did, does get the start in this game. Uh, doesn't, you know, he plays what, about an hour uh, mm-hmm. before he gets subbed off. It, it's, it's a strange one. And, you know, I have to say, because I did sort of defend him a lot last week, I, just to be fair, this week, uh, Garcia and Juan Juane had by far the worst uh, passing accuracy of the game because that was a big talking point last week as well. They were yeah. both in the 60s. Albeit Garcia, of course, didn't play the whole game, but still, that's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even things like that, you add all of those problems to the fact that St. Ben is, is still getting used to this team playing with them. Uh, he's being given a, a pretty uh, dynamic role to kind of fit into very quickly. Uh, I know a lot of people discussed that it felt like he was struggling to do that. I, I agree. It's hard to know, though, how much of that is him not being able to play the position or him still being so new to this team. Um, and look, yeah. this is the first time he's played in like six months, like yeah. played really significantly in a match, right? Obviously he came off the bench against Chicago, but this is the first time he's played more than 15, 20 minutes in six months. So I do think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. I will say, I don't know if handing him the keys to the four, two, three, one and saying, Hey, this is your show. Now be Reynoso is potentially, and I don't know if necessarily that's what they're doing, but it kind of seemed at some level like that with the way Minnesota United was trying to attack in this one. It feels a little bit like part of the problem the team is having is, and and I don't think this is like a epiphany. I think it's something people have kind of assumed would start to happen at some point is that the reality is a lot of this attack is designed to be tools for a specific player. They're not there to play for each other. They're there to play as extensions of what Reynoso is doing and the center of the park. That is one nucleus. That is the structure of the attack. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're finally starting to see catch up to this team is that when that's how you've built out a team, even if those guys are all good, if you play them without that nucleus, eventually things just don't really work. Um, and, and so it feels like, and, and to be fair, the last two games we have scored, but I don't mm-hmm. think that the attack has looked like it has in some of the previous games. And, and I think a lot of that just comes down to, I think we're starting to, part of this might also be obviously teams having a little more data on how Minnesota United are playing this season. So maybe they're catching up, but, uh, you know, when we, when we do get goals, they're the kind of goals you've described they're, they're, uh, you know, tap-ins or, or like last week, sort of a, surprise set piece goal from Ariaga or PKs. Or PKs. <laughs> so, you know, it, I, I think that's catching up to this team. I think they were able to get some results through those goals, but now, you know, if the defense doesn't have an amazing game where they're basically being perfect and making sure there aren't any other you know goals from the other team to worry about, we're just not seeing the production that you need to, um, to compete in a lot of these games. And I mean, I even think we were kind of seeing that in some of the early games this season. But as teams catch up to how we're playing, that's just not going to work anymore. Um, I also, Dom, I don't think it's a it's a surprise that when Adrian Heath went back to the Reynoso esque four two three one, where that cam is is truly a cam, that that's mm-hmm. the game where Minnesota United has really given up two two head scratching defensive goals. It's a less oh, defensively okay. it's a less defensively focused shape. Right. And when you're a team that, you know, up until this point has really relied on solid defense uh, or a defensive structure, their whole mentality, their whole strategy, their whole, the, the way that, the way that they form the team and the way they play is defensively structured. And it's, Hey, find a goal somehow, some way. It doesn't matter if it's a PK. It doesn't matter if it's a tap in. doesn't matter if it's a flute free kick. doesn't matter if it's a corner, find a goal somehow, some way we're going to put all of our focus in keeping the other team off the board. That's how Minnesota United was playing. And it was largely working, right? We saw, I mean, uh, Chicago, they kind of slept walk through the Chicago game. Um, so it's hard to really take much out of that one. But that, I mean, that's a big reason why they were undefeated through five is such a collective, cumulative, solid defensive performance. When they go back to the quote-unquote old 4-2-3-1 here, 
where it's more attacking centric. They're playing through saying Ben, he has less defensive responsibility and more attacking responsibility. That's the game where you give up multiple goals. That doesn't necessarily seem like a coincidence to me. And you have to wonder which, which strategy, which formation, which mentality is largely going to be mo- the more sustainable option for this oh. team moving forward. And I guess that leads right into our to the one of the questions I have on the notes here is, you know, what do we think is the best here for Minnesota? Is it the four two three one or is it the four four two? Because we've seen the four four two work, we've seen the four two three one not work really. Even when the four two three one has worked this season, it's been more of a four three three in that regard. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think, Dom? I know, you know, we've talked about formation, not necessarily being super important, um, and more the performances of the players being important, but I mean, structurally, what do you want to see from this team moving forward? Uh, I, I think it would probably be wise to return to the four, four, two at the very least for this next game, which is probably going to require a, a great deal of defensive solidity. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I, I I agree that the four four two seems like something that the team has to, at the very least, keep around as an option, um, because the 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 drifting away from it has not gone so well recently. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I think that formation made sense. It opens more questions about who starts and where they play and all that. But yeah. I think at the very least, when you're playing games like away at Seattle. Um, it probably made sense to, to stick to the four four two. I saw a really interesting uh, like mock lineup that somebody on Minnesota United Twitter did. I, I don't have it in front of me. I can't remember who did it, um, but it was it was interesting. I, this will ne- this would never happen. But I just want to throw this to you. So it was a four four two with Lud and Sang Bin up top, Fragapane and Bongi as the wings. So no Garcia, no Amaria in the lineup. It, it, you know what? I looked at that. I'm like, that's not the worst idea in the world. It would never happen, but it's not the worst idea in the world. That kind of shows you how Minnesota United strikers are playing. But I do think a return to the 4-4-2 might be wise. And again, specifically this weekend against Seattle, who's just just pouring in goals this season. Jordan Morris specifically pouring in goals. Um, you know, I would like to see, you know, it, it, it's probably going to be either Bongi or Frog on the left, uh, Garcia and Amaria up top maybe, or, or some combination of Garcia, Amari and Seng Ben, two of those three up top load on the right. That's what I have to imagine. It probably would be if they went to the four, two, three, one, or excuse me, the four, four, two. And I think that's probably best because again, an attacking centric four, two, three, one right now, I just think this team defense and limiting goals conceded is so important to this team right now, especially the way they're finishing uh, or or not finishing in the attack, I think you really need to give yourself the best opportunity moving forward to keep clean sheets. And again, just find a way to get a goal, how ugly or unimpressive as it may be, finding a way to just grind out a goal and keeping the other team off the board might be the best way to do that. And I think the 4-4-2 probably most aligns with that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we know that this defense is capable of good performances in the race. You know, we, we look at the St. Louis game, for example, you know, we know that this defense is capable of, of big performances. Um, I think at least for the near future, the 4-4-2 feels like an option that allows them to focus on doing that. And, and that probably leads to the team getting more points. So, yeah, no, no disagreement there. All right. So now we look ahead to Seattle Saturday. 9.30 p.m. Central Time start. will be free on Apple TV, by the way. Once again, I believe it's a second straight match that's available for free. So uh, check that out. If, if you don't have MLS season pass, you can still get the match for free. Uh, Sounders are coming off a 4-1 to loss at Portland. By far, their most unimpressive performance of the season so far. Um, also of note, MLS Golden Boot leader Jordan Morris played 89 minutes and assisted in the uh, equalizer in the U.S. Men's National Team's 1-1 draw with Mexico in Wednesday's Continental Classico. So I'm, I'll be interested to see if that impacts his availability at all or how many minutes he plays against Minnesota, considering it's just three days later and he's probably not going to be back at training until uh, today or even tomorrow uh, as we're recording here on Thursday. So we'll see if that impacts it. I, I can't imagine it, it, it would, but we'll see. Um, 
And then uh, on the Minnesota side, left back Kamar Lawrence, his availability is in question as he is back home dealing with a personal matter. Evidently, he has a, a family member who's dealing with a health issue. So uh, we're obviously sending all of our best to him. And of course, the health and well-being of himself and his family uh, takes precedent over anything happening on the pitch. But I mean, if Lawrence is unable to rejoin the team ahead of Saturday, an already unfavorable road matchup becomes all the more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. On, on the Morris note, that'll be interesting to see how much of a role he plays. I have to admit that um, the entire existence of the continental Classico friendly is confusing to me. Um, yes, I agree. And, and the amount of players that are actively playing for teams that had to stop to play there is slightly confusing to me. But uh, you know what's yeah. interesting about that, Dom? It was yeah. all MLS guys. And Sergio Dest, <laughs> like uh, I feel, I feel for Dest. He hasn't played uh, for Milan since like January twenty fourth or whatever. So it's it's been a bit of a rough go for him. But yeah, I saw the lineup. I was like, oh, there's one of these things is not like the other. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was that apparently was there aren't already enough competitions where those two teams already play each other. Um, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, on, on the Kamar Lawrence note, obviously, best best wishes to his him and his family and the situation they're dealing with um you know for what it's worth it'll be interesting to see if this perhaps opens uh backup opportunity for valentine to to jump back in the lineup and for what, imagine worth, what would happen for what it's worth he's done pretty well when he's played so yep. um, that might be a, a a positive option there but uh yeah no this i mean i i expect this to be a tough game i know seattle lost pretty badly to portland last week but i think that's probably more of a uh you know, Darby Day kind of uh, surprise loss than anything else. The Seattle team yeah. was quite good. Yep. Um, and I expect them to be quite good at home trying to recuperate from that against Minnesota United. So, um, yeah, it's going to require a big defensive performance. If Minnesota United were to win this game, it's it's going to take uh, an absolute sort of <laughs> trench warfare of a goal um, to, to get that. But, you know, I, I, I think we've seen Minnesota United go on the road to – difficult environments and get wins in, in such a way that I feel there's a chance to pull it off against Seattle. But yeah, it, it's going to be quite a contest, I'm sure. Yeah, it will be. I mean, not only Jordan Morris too, but you have Raul Rui Diaz really getting back in form two goals in the last two matches. And as if they needed any more firepower, uh, they have Leo Chu, 22-year-old Brazilian, who has four assists and a goal to start the campaign uh for seattle so it's going to be you know a, a bit it was it's always an uphill battle for minnesota and yeah. seattle they have not won in seattle they have not gotten a result in seattle since they joined mls so yeah. uh based off I, I couldn't find the exact number i'm finding different numbers of places i go i can't remember if it's uh eight times they played there or seven times they played there but they're over uh, no mm. matter how many times they, they've played in, in Seattle since going to MLS. So I don't know if it's 07 and 0 or 08 and 0, but it's it's O everything and O for Minnesota United uh, in Seattle. So uh, Saturday is going to be a huge, huge test uh, for this team to see if they can bounce back. And I mean, I think I think a draw is as good as a win in this one, Dom, no? Probably. Yeah, I mean, a draw in Seattle feels good. Uh, yeah. I think at this stage, particularly how these last two games have gone. I want to note very quickly, though, that as far as Minnesota United getting no results at Seattle, their first game ever, I think it was the first game ever, at Seattle, and I guess it would have been 2017, Minnesota United got absolutely robbed of a draw by an extra time penalty uh, call. Mm. So mm. they could have started They could have started that all with a result. But anyways, I forget the context of it. We had a, def a defender that year, a Jamaican defender whose name escapes me, and I think he got called on a handball that was dubious. But anyways. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a tough place to play for everybody. Um, and I think if Minnesota United can, can get even just a decent point, uh, with maybe keep a clean sheet or keep the scoring low, I think that provides some sort of platform to reset after these last two losses. Uh, so hopefully they can at the very least negotiate a result of that sort. And that starts a run of three matches in nine days for Minnesota. Not as if it wasn't difficult enough coming off two losses, going to Seattle, a place you've never even gotten a result, but that kicks off three matches in nine days as just three days later, uh, Minnesota West should be going straight from Seattle to Detroit to take on Detroit city in the U S open cup on Tuesday. Um, Detroit city, not doing so hot this season uh, in the USL championship play one, one and four to start the campaign. They do have, 
uh, a win in the uh, second round of the Open Cup against Gold Star Detroit of Nisa. So a win against another professional side. Um, and, I mean, Detroit City, smoke, darkness, and smell, right? I mean, it's a, t- it's a tough place to play. I can't imagine Adrian Heath will be making those kind of excuses if, uh, if, if it doesn't go Minnesota's way. But, look, Heath, is, he, was, he was criticized a bit last year for not playing all of his starters against Union Omaha. But he said this week even, like, he treats this tournament with the respect it deserves. And I, I fully agree with him. Even in that match against Omaha last year, there were seven starters and two DPs on the field. Like against the league one side in the, in midweek between two league matches, that's about a good, a, a roster as you can ask for a good, a lineup as you can ask for. So um, I don't think there will be any surprises uh, this season in terms of Minnesota, you know, getting, getting shell shocked by a team. If Detroit city beats Minnesota, it'll be because they deserve it. And they were the better team. And maybe the home atmosphere was enough to put, push them over the edge. But we've talked about this team's depth. We've talked about, you know, how this team is is maybe a little bit different and a little bit more prepared for this scenario than last year's Detroit city's not necessarily the world beaters that union Omaha have been at the, you know, in the, in the second, third tiers of, of us soccer in the past. So, uh, but it'll probably be a good game. It will be a challenge for Minnesota. I'm sure. Uh, but it's something I think they're prepared for, and I'm pretty bullish on their chances to advance at least past this, this point. Yeah, no, I think, um, Minnesota United should absolutely look at this as an opportunity to win. I mean, look, obviously Detroit City is is a difficult place to play uh, for the environment, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure that will be the case, particularly because of the nature of the matchup. But you know, it's you you have to also keep in mind that this is a squad that hasn't started the year well. Um, They they've started the year quite badly, actually. Um, So I mean, that means something. Obviously, there are times where teams that are doing poorly in league play do really well in cups. That happens too. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there is a clear enough gap of ability between this Minnesota United team on its day and where Detroit City are currently. That as long as as long as uh, Minnesota United don't try to pull one by playing like half academy kids or something, I, I think that the skill is there in that roster to, to handle this game. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I agree, and that one's going to be uh, on on YouTube, I believe. I believe BR Football's YouTube yeah. channel. So, uh, go and check that one out. Bookmark it, subscribe, whatever you got to do there to check in on that one. Um, there will be no post loons following USOC. Uh, we are kind of keeping those to the regular MLS schedule this year. Um, if they advance far enough in the open cup, we'll probably put together some sort of post-game content around it as well. But Jacob Schneider will have something on the site from the game, but no post loons after Minnesota United and Detroit City on Tuesday. Just a little programming note there. Uh, oh, we have a loon wedding to talk about, Dom. Uh, let's go off the field for a minute. Well, I guess still on the field because those wedding field. happened at Allianz Field on the pitch as Kervin Ariaga. Married longtime girlfriend Daniela Zavala at Allianz Field on Monday. Uh, congrats to him. I uh, saw some pictures. He was looking dapper. Uh, she was looking fantastic too. So uh, very, very cool. Um, but kind of uh, to, I guess, end our Minnesota United talk, the way it started with a not, not so great uh, optimistic note. Um, looks like there will be some Gold Cup absences during uh, a critical juncture of the season for Minnesota. Uh, Dane St. Clair for Canada, obviously, Kamar Lawrence for Jamaica, and then, um, you know, the aforementioned Kervin Ariaga and Joseph Rosales for Honduras, uh, maybe away from the team during the summer's CONCACAF Gold Cup. The group stage runs June 24th through July 4th with a knockout stage until July 16th. Um, Loons have two matches in the group stage, but they also have a match on June 21st, and I have to imagine teams will have been released to their international or players will have been released to their international teams by then. So potentially three matches in that group stage window uh, that will be missed by these players. And then there are another two loons, loons matches during the knockouts as well. So whichever teams advance past the group stage into the knockouts, depending on how far they go, there could be up to five matches uh, during this run in the middle of the season that uh, no players miss. And if that's Dane, you know, We'll, we'll get to see a, a good amount of Clint Irwin. 
um, which will be interesting. Um, it would, I think it would be actually a pretty big upset if Honduras advanced pretty far in the gold cup, but, um, if they do, that will be, even if they advance past the group stage into the knockouts, that's going to be a pretty big, you know, with both Rosales and Ariaga being out, that's going to be a pretty big absence or a pair of big absences there for Minnesota. Uh, and then of course, we're talking about Kimar Lawrence being out this weekend. He obviously plays a pretty critical role uh, as an outside back for the Loons too. So something to keep an eye on as that tournament gets closer. These guys will obviously be released to their countries for this tournament. It's just a matter of how many games they're going to miss. Looks like at least a minimum of three. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, I'll say that the positive for me of of that is things like, it makes me think of things like the fact that Hassani Dotson is healthy now. That Dotson mm-hmm. trap is going to be a very important pair of players if we're going to yep. be without Ariaga and Rosales for a period of time. Uh, yeah, you know, for the <laughs> this isn't a silver lining for the players, but silver lining for the team for the roster health is that you know obviously some of these guys are attached to teams that are not necessarily expected to go very far, like Honduras. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, Saint Clair is given time to play at the Gold Cup. Uh, obviously, that's sort of always the chagrin of Minnesota United fans is that, you know, Stane Sinclair leaves, but he doesn't actually play. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, if he does go with Canada to the Gold Cup, which I imagine he would, hopefully that includes actual playtime. Uh, but yeah, no, look, it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. But I, I think the, the good part of all this, of course, is that most MLS teams will be affected by this to some yep. degree. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I'm sure that the teams Minnesota and United will be playing will also be missing people. Um, but yeah, we're going to have to see, like we did in the Vancouver game, we're going to have to see how can this team deal with with you know taking hits to the roster. How can this team deal with moving players around? Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully they they're able to learn from past experience now and, and sort of find the best way to navigate these matches. Yeah, and you, you have to wonder if there was no Leagues Cup, maybe there would be some sort of break in place mm-hmm. for this as well. Because, there, I mean, there have been significant international breaks in May and June uh, in previous uh, seasons. And uh, I don't know, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I have to imagine with the Leagues Cup happening in, in July and August, that that June international break isn't going to, if it's there, is not as long. Mm. So, um I guess I can pull up the schedule to see, but yeah, I mean, just, just another instance where we're going to see what the depth of this team really looks like and, and how they can, um, how they can overcome those things moving forward. Um, but yeah, going to be a challenge for Minnesota United, just another challenge uh, in their way here in 2023. All right. Before we get to lower league news, we have some M and UFC two talk uh, USL league two UPSL NPSL USLW league, pretty much everything across the board. Uh, to chat about a little bit uh, later on in the show in just a minute, actually. But before we get to that, let's talk about our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. S-T-I-M-U-L-U-S dot com. Uh, excuse me, StimulusAthletic.com. Um, that's where you go if you are looking to maybe get new jerseys or apparel for your team this summer. And you might think, man, I don't want to pay Nike prices. I don't want to pay Adidas prices. You're, you won't with Stimulus. Quality, quality game girl apparel at affordable prices. That is what Stimulus is all about. And it's custom design apparel too. So it's not just a blank white 2018 MLS road kit. No, 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 no. Uh, You are getting quality work, quality design, quality apparel, quality jerseys at affordable prices with Stimulus Athletic. And they also have this design your own option on their website, which is really cool. So if you go to stimulusathletic.com and click the design your own tab, you will see if you've ever used Nike's shoe customizer before, where you can you know make you know turn Air Force Ones into whatever color you want or whatever, this is very similar to that, but with soccer jerseys. You pick the base design you want, you change the colors to what you want, you add your your team and sponsor logos, and boom, you have a fully customized kit that you did for yourself and your team in like five ten minutes. It's very very easy. You can be your own designer with Stimulus Athletics. So check that out. Go to StimulusAthletic.com. If you want them to design it for you, just click that Get Started button. If you want to maybe design your own and look into that and play around with it, click that Design Your Own tab and have some fun. It's a, it's a really cool... I mean, I'm not... I don't own a club. I don't... I'm not part of a club. I have spent plenty of time 
uh, playing around with the design your own option on Stimulus's website. So you can have some fun with that too. Again, stimulusathletic.com, quality game gear and apparel at, at affordable prices. Your team, organization, rec league, youth program, doesn't matter. You deserve, your players deserve custom jerseys this season. So get them from Stimulus Athletic. Again, stimulusathletic.com. And when you go there uh, and you click that get started button, there's a little thing that says, hey, how'd you hear about us? Make sure you let them know that Jeremy and Dom from the 10,000 Pitches Podcast sent you there. Huge thanks to Stimulus for supporting the uh, 10,000 Pitches Podcast and what we're doing at sodasoccer.com. All right, lower league time, Dom. Let's jump into it. MNUFC 2 gets their first loss of the 2023 campaign. Actually, their first non-win, I should say. Not even their first loss, but their first non-win of the uh, 2023 campaign. Uh, Zayden Bello does score his first goal for the Dubloons, but they fall 2-1 to one to North Texas. So, again, their first loss of the season. And uh, they they blew a 1-0 lead in this one. Bello opened the scoring. And uh, two late goals from North Texas earned them three points. And, of course, if you were following us on Twitter or you saw the highlight, you know the winner came from Minnesota's own Herbert and Dele in this one. So kind of a uh, – I'm a little torn after watching <laughs> that. You know, it's kind of a bittersweet, you know, thing where, you know, Emma UFC 2 lost, but Herbert and Dele opened his account and got the winner there. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was a <laughs> – I, I, I'm blanking on who met. It was someone related to Minneapolis City. I don't think it was the actual club of town. I think it might have been a coach. So someone made a comment about like how they were hoping he apologized after the game to all his former former NPSL USL League Two teammates on the other team. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think much like to some degree, like we were talking about with the senior team. Obviously, uh, the uh, second team. Had a great start to their MLS Nets Pro season, but obviously at some point that first blow is going to come uh, as the nature of the game, especially because they've started with so many road games. Uh, they did start, you know, this game well and, and did that that lead, but eventually someone's going to find that mistake, and and it was North Texas. Uh, good, good to see Bello get a goal. You know that that's good for the, his individual project. Uh, I think this team still has a very bright future ahead of it, and you know a lot of games left, but. Uh, you know, unfortunate to get the loss. Hopefully uh, it's an experience they can learn from. Got a lot of guys on that team that are still sort of learning um, professional soccer. And and mm. sometimes this is an important learning experience. So, yeah, unfortunately, their game to some degree mimics the uh, senior team game with those late goals. But, uh, you know, is what it is. Uh, I think they still have a very promising uh, path ahead of them. And, of course, uh, fun to have at the very least a Minnesotan a player be benefiting from North Texas's win with, with Indela. Yeah, absolutely. Um, MNUFC two off the field are exploring, keeping loanies, Jeremy Rodas and Juan Mosquera beyond their July loan expirations. Uh, according to Andy Greater of the pioneer press, the club could just extend the loans, uh, you know, longer, maybe till the end of the season or another year, or they could actually end up purchasing, purchasing the players outright. But, um, you know, two guys that have that have contributed so far to MNUFC, too. So, I mean, from my perspective, it'd be nice to see them keep them. But obviously the business end of that will uh, will you know play a play a huge factor as well. And then the Dubloons this weekend travel north of the border to take on Vancouver Whitecaps to Sunday evening kickoff. It's another late one. It's a late one for the Loons on Saturday. It's a late one for MNUFC, two on Sunday, uh, 9 p.m. Central Time kick on MLSNextPro.com. Both teams in the Pacific Northwest, just one team north of the border and one team south. Um, lower league news. Uh, let's let's jump into what's happening in USL League 2 uh, on the amateur side. Uh, Minneapolis City announced signings of Shea Bechtel of St. Olaf and Kaylin Castillo of Calvin College uh, and Stevie Lamar, who will be a third-year Crow from St. Thomas. And uh, this is... This, I have not seen this name in a long time, uh, but obviously somebody who was super influential uh, for Minneapolis City, especially in their early years, and um, obviously all the best to him moving forward. Uh, Abdallah Ba uh, has announced his retirement. Actually, I guess City announced the retire his his yeah. retirement. Um, you know, I mean, he is synonymous with Minneapolis City's early days, and uh, he is he's moving on to other things. But um, yeah, that's just a a name from past that you know. Uh, just just played a huge role in their formation and kind of helping helping them become prominent yeah. in the in the local local soccer scene. Well, and 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 he's been prevalent 
sort of behind the headlines even to last year. Last year, you know, last year he played with a lot of the reserve sort of. Uh, I don't think he ended up playing much in USL League Two, but he did play some NPSL games. Yep. Um, and and he's yeah, I mean, uh, he's. I think he's played with the club since his first season pre NPSL. That might be wrong, but that's my that's my memory of it. Um, he he's been so that maybe gosh, that's like seven years or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, that's a really long time, and uh, it's a it's a credit to to his ability and his uh, you know desire. Excuse me, uh, desire to um, serve the club that uh, that that he stuck around. He he's helped his team to some you know conference titles, big games, mm-hmm. big results, and uh, yeah, he's an excellent player. So it, it's you know obviously well obviously unfortunate that that he's leaving the game, but also very understandable. I think he's given enough years to the team. Yeah. Um, players that give half as many years to teams are, 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 you know, honored for their service. So, um, yeah, best of luck to him with what he's got next, but, uh, yeah, really cool. I mean, this is a, a local guy. Uh, I believe he's from, uh, uh, Sierra Leone, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, later childhood in Minnesota, uh, played with some clubs locally, ended up with city and, and been such a big part of their, their history. So he's, he's, a original NPSL North guy and and I, I wish him the best. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, I was messing around on, on Twitter after I saw that and kind of did some digging. It looks like he's a, a real estate agent lo- okay. locally here in the Twin Cities now. So um yeah very cool. He's sticking around the area and uh, obviously be doing other things off the field now. But uh congrats to him on an amazing uh local career and uh, all the best to him moving forward obviously. Uh, Rochester FC signed Australian goalkeeper Kieran Brown from Fort Hayes State and Canadian midfielder Alexandra Hebert, uh, who comes from Spanish Residential Football Academy, FC at Malaga City Academy. Um, so a couple of moves from them. On the W League side, Aurora signed defender Paola 10 from Iowa Lakes Community College. She's a U-20 women's national team player with the Dominican Republic. And then Aurora also signed defender Tiana Harris from Kent State University. And on the MPSL side, Duluth FC announced two uh, the announced the return, excuse me, of two young prospects from 2022, Jake Kidd and Alex Paredes, uh, both of whom currently attend UW Superior. Uh, Dakota Fusion announced a wave of new players. Their player announcements have been uh, <laughs> plentiful recently. Yeah. Uh, several with local connections as well, including Moorhead natives Jabril Guido and Ben Colborn. And then Med City announced the return of local additions, including Rochester Century senior Abdurazak Bulale and Rochester Mayo alum Jonas Muse. Um, he's a an U.S. men's para national team star, Shalesh Shatulagoma. Excuse me. Uh, we've mentioned him on the podcast, Dom. You've done a, a, a story about him on the website. He is also returning to Med City for 2023. So that's very exciting as well. What uh, of these signings stand out to you, Dom? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting little points here. I think that, well, for, to, to get back up to Aurora for a second, it, it's been really interesting with Aurora and actually also, uh, you know, I think of like Rochester FC as well, their, their W League team. You're seeing a lot of like youth internationals and kind of that kind of status of player actually kind of mixing around with a lot of these teams. I think that's really interesting. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Paola can, can bring something to the mix, obviously, with that unique experience from her. And, and of course, the same with Tiana Harris, I'm sure, will we'll bring quality. So looking forward to seeing how those pieces uh, integrate into the team. Uh, oh, and actually, I, I recall seeing Equal Time posting that Harris um, had actually attended a tryout with the team like a year ago. Uh, and, and so kind of interesting that, that she's ending up with them now. So best of luck to both of them. Uh, and the MPSL. Yeah, uh, good to see, you know, um, with Duluth, uh, you know, last year when I talked to, uh, I guess it would have been Sean Morgan, uh, about the fact that there were, you know, there was a, a little more local flavor in the team than there had been uh, previously in like 2021. And, uh, you know, a big thing he talked about, and at the time this was particularly with players like Blake Perry, who were scoring a lot of goals for Duluth. But he was talking about with all the local players that, you know, there were a lot of guys that were on the roster last year that the plan was to integrate them long term into the project. So people like Jake Kidd, who's very young, uh, mm-hmm. Alex Paredes as well. You know, those were guys that weren't necessarily expected to really play last season yeah. just because they weren't necessarily ready. But with more time, with more experience, with more college experience as well, um, guys that potentially could compete for more serious spots this year, um, certainly down the stretch as the games clog up. And now you have the Super Cup as well, kind of adding games to the schedule. So interesting to see how, how they fit in, but, but good to see Duluth kind of sticking to that project of 
um, reintegrating a little more local talent uh, to, to sort of reconnect to uh, what the team was doing in the past. Um, Fusion, the Dakota Fusion are announcing players at a rate that That's crazy. mind. Uh, <laughs> Un- unprecedented rate of, annou- yes. of announcements. Yes, they are constant and forthcoming. But, um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of interesting players, a lot of interesting players. To be frank, I, we, you know, for, for the sake of the notes, we focus more on the local talent just because that stood out. But there's guys from virtually every country you can imagine signing to yep. this team. Uh, and a lot of them sound really interesting. I guess the, the reason that the, the, these Moorhead players stand out to me is that it's great that in the mix of all that, you do still have guys from the area. For those that don't know, the Dakota Fusion actually play in Moorhead, Minnesota. They don't play in um, uh, North Dakota. Uh, so, uh, you know, great great to see uh, that local talent in the midst for them. Uh, Med City, also great to see some high school alum guys kind of getting in the midst with that team. And with Chaleshi, you know, great to see him continuing his thing. I know he's in college now. When, when I wrote that article about him, uh, he was a senior in high school. Uh, so he's in college now. I believe he's playing. Uh, he's at Clemson. I believe he's playing a, some like a mixture of club, uh, like, uh, you know, club soccer uh, at the college and then uh, para soccer for the college. Um, so great to see him back in the midst with Med City. He played a little bit last year with them, not a ton. But so it would be great to see a little more of him this year. Uh, he continues to have such a, a cool story. He's still active with the men's national team. Um, this last winter, I think he was in a camp with them. So, um, yeah, just a lot of lot of exciting little tidbits there. Um, I'm very much looking forward to, in like, well, not not for these two leagues, but for the UPSL, in a matter of a week or two, getting to the point now where we can talk about these guys actually playing <laughs> yep. instead of signing contracts. But, uh, you know, all, all the names, all the all the all the moves being made are, are definitely building the excitement, building excitement for me too. Uh, so really looking forward to to all of this now getting to the pitch uh, in the next couple of weeks. I know I mentioned last week on the episode, but just a quick reminder: anybody interested, if you listen to this little time and you have a team near you that maybe you've gone to before, maybe you haven't, but you're thinking about it, go check out if you want to buy a ticket to that team. It, I don't care what team it is, I don't care what level yeah. it is. It could be anybody. I'm not even going to give an example because I want it to anything. UPSL, WPSL, NPSL, USL League 2, W League. I mean, it could be MASL if you want it to be MASL. But, you know, look around, see if you have a little team you want to support and think about, you know, maybe buying a ticket. A lot of t- uh, teams now have the single ticket, season ticket stuff out for you to look at or the merch and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested, look around and see if there's somebody you want to support with your time and, and your presence, but also, you know, money, if you have the ability to do so, because I know that they all need it. So just a reminder to everybody to take a look at that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the tickets don't even cost. I know with some MASL yeah. games, you can just kind of show up, but I know some teams do ask for, Hey, if you're going to show up, if you could leave a $5 donation or something right. like that, I know Bateau is doing that exact thing this season where they're not necessarily going to charge for tickets, but ask for, you know, five bucks from, from the people who are coming. And that's super important to making sure these teams can sustain what they're doing um, and, and make sure that they're able to continue on. And, you know, we talked about our, our sponsors and our, you know, people who uh, subscribe to our Patreon being the lifeblood of what we do, people going to games, attendance, match day, you know, donations, whatever it is, that's the lifeblood of these clubs. Yeah. And uh, if you want to support lower league soccer and you want to see lower league soccer flourish in the area, uh, go to games, show up, pay, be there with a ticket pay for a season membership, whatever you got to do, buy some merch, you know, just, just show your support in those ways. Uh, all right. Now it's time to finish things off. Like we always do with our picks presented by better edge, B E T T O R edge.com slash loons gets you $20 in your account for free. You know, it's not a $20 deposit bonus. It's not a, it's not a, Hey, insert this much and you'll get 20 bucks. It's 20 bucks for free. You use that code. You sign up magically $20 just voila appears in your account. It's very cool. Uh, so again, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons. Uh, and you can kind of play. You can enter our real money weekly pick'em contest. You can enter our free weekly pick'em contest. Doesn't matter. Um, and we don't, we're not making picks around the league. We're sticking just with Minnesota United. Um, and uh, I don't think either of us are picking Minnesota United in this particular game. They are huge underdogs, though. So maybe if we're looking for a value bet, possibly. Uh, but um, you know, Seattle, big favorites and the over under is two and a half total goals. Dom, what are you going with here? Uh, I'm going over two and a half. I, 
unfortunately, I know that lightly uh, is not a good thing for Minnesota United, but uh, mm. I think that there's, you know, at the very least, likely to be a couple goals between the teams here. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a Seattle win, but I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, between Seattle's ability to score and for what it's worth, Minnesota United's ability to score. I mean, it's not like they're not scoring. Um, I think that that we'll see a couple of goals here. I was wrong about this when I said it about the the St. Louis game. I think, but uh, but I, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I I like the over two, but I'm actually going to go. I'm going to pick something different. I'm going to pick Seattle. I'm okay. picking Seattle on this one. Uh, I think it's the first time all season that I've actually picked against Minnesota, but I just think the matchup is super unfavorable. And it's almost even worse that Seattle's coming off a four to one loss because I think they're going to be just completely refocused uh, and locked into what they're doing. Minnesota United has never gotten a result at uh, at Lumen Field. And with this pick, even though I'm picking Seattle, it's a two way bet. It's not a three way bet. So that means if it's a draw, I, it's a push. I get my money back. I don't I don't win the bet. I don't lose the bet. I get my money back. So there's a bit of a safety net there with that, too, that uh, if I bet Seattle to win, if it's a draw, I still get my bet back. So um yeah, uh, Dom's picking over two and a half. I'm picking Seattle. I like both of those bets personally. So if you want to bet both, uh, I think you may come away a winner on Better Edge. So again, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons gets you 20 bucks in your account for free. Big thanks to our friends over at Better Edge for supporting the show and supporting sodasoccer.com. Dom, any parting words, any last words for the people before we hit the weekend? Uh, No, just, uh, yeah, again, you know, go support your local soccer. Um, yep. Otherwise, yeah, everybody have a have a fun time enjoying all the Minnesota United action this week uh, or this weekend, and uh, hopefully, hopefully the loons give give you something to enjoy. <laughs> uh, Dom, you just wrote a piece for Soda Soccer. Why don't you plug that? Oh yes, I should plug that. Uh, I, I just did a quick run through of uh, the UPSL uh, Midwest West, which I believe is still the name of the conference. <laughs> I don't understand. How. It all time. how has uh, nobody been like? <laughs> this is kind of redundant. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. I did a quick uh, sort of preview. I I, I didn't do a, a proper sort of place prediction because I, I felt there's too many new teams and, and too many sort of new commodities in this conference for me to really feel like I can give a reliable 1 to 11. Um, but instead, what I did is I just kind of went through the 11 teams and gave a quick gist of what I'm feeling about them, sort of things to think about, things to highlight with them, uh, I and, and, and did sort of allude to do I feel like this is a team that's going to compete for those upper spots or do I not feel it's a team that's, you know, going to compete for those upper spots? Uh, ran through that, included some some links to some posts about, you know, the players and coaches and so on with the teams, just kind of refresh news for everybody. Um, so that's, that's all 11 teams. There will be a, a similar version of that upcoming for, for the MPSL as well. Um, I will say that I just saw that Valora have um, – uh, Pablo Campos returning this season, which if I had known when the article was written, might have uh, included a little more uh, uh, discussion of their quality. <laughs> but uh, but they're one of the teams I expected to do well. But um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I just ran through all 11 of those teams, talked about that a little bit. I appreciate that article. Looks like it's gotten some nice feedback and interaction already. So uh, if you haven't seen it already, go ahead and check that out. Those games, by the way, a reminder, start uh, the 29th and the 30th. So when you listen to this, it'll be about a week away. Uh, but I, I look forward to uh, to seeing what I was right about when I was wrong about. That's what's always fun with these predictions. Uh, last year, I only did a prediction article really for the NPSL. But that one, I had some big things I was right about, some big things I was wrong about. So that's always fun to kind of see how that plays out. So, Dom, it's no fun without the hot takes. It's no fun without the predictions. Come on now. Come on. I, I, I Trying to no please everybody. Uh, there'll there'll be there'll be a little more predictioniness with the NPSL only because those are entities that I already know what we're dealing with. Part of part of the difficulty with the the UPSL this year, and part of what's exciting is you have so many teams that are like new to this level. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're unknown, really unknown entities. But they're not like who knows what these people are. They're you know acclaimed academies or you know well known entities. So uh, I, I went with what I went with. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, but NPSL, there'll be a little more specific predictions. There's going to be some some interesting things going on with the format of the league as well that kind of adjust that. I don't know if either of them will have as big of a hot take as 2022 did, in which I, I predicted that, you know, Minneapolis City would finish out of the top three, which was very controversial, apparently. Uh, it was also correct, but uh, you know, uh, <laughs> just gotta uh, throw that out there. It was right. Throw it out there that I was dead right, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 
I know what people are going to think immediately, which is that I was also completely dead wrong about Joy being third. But, you know, you're right and you're wrong sometimes. Yeah. It's happened. Uh, but uh, anyways, so, but yeah, I mean, the producers are fun. The MPSL one, I think we'll have a little more of that. This the U, this UPSL conference, it's just, it's hard to really know where to start beyond saying what I think I said, which is just that, you know, I expect Valora, Minneapolis City, uh, probably FC Minneapolis to, you know, be amongst those top teams like they have been the last couple of years. But um, yeah. So anyways, go check that out. It's uh, on the sites. Um, but yeah, support uh, local soccer. I guess I'll end it at that. All right. That's a great way to end it. Um, he is Dominic Jose Bazonio. I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Check out the website, sodasoccer.com. Thanks to our sponsors, this week's uh, Stimulus Athletic and Better Edge. And thanks to you all for checking us out and for supporting us at patreon.com slash sodasoccer. We appreciate it. Uh, Post loons after Minnesota United and Seattle Sounders late night on Saturday. It's myself and David Naylor who will be with you uh, to talk about uh, either a I don't know. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to see what we end up talking about, whether it's a lost draw or a win. Uh, but again, no post loons after Minnesota United and Detroit City on Tuesday. But you know who will be back next Friday is us, Dom, Jeremy, and Dominic for 10,000 pitches once again. So uh, until then, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you. Bye.